This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Life. Hi, welcome to Business Influencers. Hope everyone is having a great week. Again, you found us here at Tell Radio, and we are so excited again, as always, to share with you that the show continues to grow in popularity, reaching more business influencers worldwide because of you. We are committed each and every week to bringing this show and our subject matter experts and sharing their words of wisdom and insights to help elevate your personal influence and your le- your biz- business level to the next level. So with that being said, we're our show is being brought to you today by Achieve Biz Systems. And Achieve Biz Systems is a, a networking group and a business group that brings together experts from around the country in a way to collaborate with one another. And they're putting on an event this June. It's the Achieve Biz System Biz Explosion Conference, June 9th and the 10th in Denver, Colorado. Feel free to check out more information. There are going to be some incredible speakers there. I'm happy to be the keynote there as well. I'm looking forward to it. And you can uh, find out more information about this event at AchieveBizConferences.com. That's AchieveBizConferences.com. Again, this I've been to this event before, and it is action-packed with a wealth of information, a great opportunity to meet new people, and close future deals. Definitely get yourself there. It's a great event, and I personally look forward to the show. Well, today we're going to be talking about the power of visualization, and we are here with the New York Times bestseller, Glenn Plaskin. And before I introduce Glenn formally here, let's go over a brief bio about Glenn. He's a celebrity interviewer. He is a best-selling author of 25 books specializing in memoir, business, self-help, leadership, and inspiration, including... Horowitz, the biography of Vladimir Horowitz, uh, Katie Up and Down the Hall, the true story of how one dog turned five neighbors into a family and on the road less traveled, an unlikely journey from the orphanage to the boardroom. His interviews have appeared uh, in the New York Times and New York Daily News, featuring such figures as Meryl Streep, Katherine Hepburn, Elizabeth Taylor, Diane Sawyer, Judge Judy, Dolly Parton, Al Pacino, Calvin Klein, and Nancy Reagan, just among many, many other celebrities. His TV appearances include Oprah, Larry King, and to today's show. Currently, Glenn lives in New York City. And without further ado, we welcome Glenn Plaskin to the show. Glenn, how are you doing today? Hey, so nice to see you, Chris. Thanks for that nice introduction. I hardly uh, recognize myself, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of guests that say that a lot. There, when they come on. Well, Glenn, you and I know each other, and you are, you know, you're an extraordinary writer, and you know, someone that has really brought people's stories to the forefront. But you and I, when I first met you, you were so transparent about your story about. How, when you were, you know, a young man or even a, even a boy at the time, how you visualized where you were and where you decided to be, what success means to you, and then you, you know, it's the power of visualization. And I know for you, it's such a, it's such an important topic to talk about. That's why we're here, and you're going to be sharing here. Can you share some insights about visualization in general? And why you feel it's so important when it comes to influence and whatever that may be to somebody. Well, yeah, I think you have to have a picture of where you want to go. And, you know, I honestly believe that everybody has more than one career in them. We have many talents. It's not just one talent. 
in my life, I started off with this one talent, which which was musical. So it was uh, playing the piano, and I wanted to be uh, my visualization for that was that I wanted to be, uh, you know, a classical concert pianist. So my parents sent me to a conservatory of music for nine years during college, nine years consecutively, and at the end of that nine-year period, that's when I quit. That was the end of that career for me because I realized that was not going to lead to what I wanted. In fact, it wasn't even what I wanted. I only thought I wanted it when I was a teenager. So what you know, one decision you make when you're a teenager may not be the right one when you're in your 20s or 30s. So yeah. what I did is, without knowing it, I didn't know anything about the technique of visualization. Visualization is a mental technique that uses your imagination to create a picture of your future as you want it to be. I think of it as kind of like a mental rehearsal. It's like a dry run. You like practice your way through imagining what it is you want to do. And you, you imagine what it is in all five senses. What will it look like? What will it sound like? What will it smell and taste like? Like if you were to become like you're a public speaker, you're a keynote speaker, what would it feel like? To stand on a stage in front of hundreds or thousands of people with a spotlight on you and you're going to give a message to other people that's going to help and inspire them what would that feel like so even if you were like a little kid listening to this now you could imagine gee what would it be like if i could get up on this stage and do this so it all starts with a a, a, a picture in your own mind of what you want it to be so when i quit music I got this strange idea that I wanted to write a book at that time about someone famous. So I had no experience. And I always tell people, you can start at the bottom or you can start at the top. It's your choice. And I, I always often say that experience shouldn't, lack of experience should not stop you from trying. So you can start at the top, you can start at the bottom. I decided to start at the top. So I came to New York. And I went to 15 top publishing companies with my idea. And remember, I wasn't selling myself. I was selling my idea. And they were all interested in my idea. And then I went to the William Morris Agency, which is the large talent agency. And they said, well, what have you written? I said, nothing. They said, well, what have you had published? I said, nothing. They said, well, then what are you doing here? And I pulled out my list of publishing companies that were interested in my idea. And to make a long story short, in December of that year, I was a penniless pianist student in college. And six months later, I was paid what would be equivalent to about $150,000 in today's money to write a book. Even though I didn't know how to write a book, it doesn't matter. My visualization for this was that I was going to write a book. And if you are tenacious, which I was, and determined and ambitious, and and also, you know, desperation is the mother of invention. If you're desperate and you have nothing to lose, it's much easier to take a risk than if you have three children and a mortgage and a family and a job at the bank. You don't want to give up your job at the bank for your dream of becoming a country singer because you need the money. But remember, I had nothing. It was such, it was such a great thing to have nothing because I had nothing to lose. So I got this deal and over the next three years, I did everything I could to make this succeed. I hired a writing teacher. I hired a coach. I had an editor. I had a typist. I had everything that was helping me. And um, three years later, when the book came out, it was on the 
front page, which was my visualization for this, of the New York Times art section. And it was literally on the front page of almost every major newspaper in the United States, the Washington Post, the Chicago Tribune, the LA Times, and in all around the world too, the London Times and elsewhere. Now why? Well, truthfully, this book uh, was doing something that no book had done. There was never a book about this particular famous pianist that I wrote about. So that's why it was getting attention. But I found myself one day sitting at the Beverly Hills Hotel on my book tour thinking, gee, here I am in Beverly Hills on a book tour when, you know, three years ago I was in the practice room playing the piano. So what does this prove? Well, I always tell people, because when I grew up I got all D's and F's in elementary school and I was told I had a low IQ. So as my mother would later joke, you did so much with so little. <laughs> because I think that you mustn't ever let anybody tell you what you can't do. You should do what you want to do if you can work up the courage to do it. And one way to do it, at least for me this worked, was that I would repeat over and over in my mind, what's it going to be like when this book is finished? What will it feel like, you know, to hold a book in your hand, you know, to go to Barnes and Noble and see your book in the bookstore? What would it feel like, you know, to go on television or radio or do newspaper interviews about the book? What would a book party feel like? I actually did nothing but imagine all this stuff. And then eventually, honestly, it all came true. Well, I get that's the power of visualization. And what would you say that somebody listening to that, like you, was there more than just saying it to yourself or was there, was there some kind of focus or that maybe like almost like not, not that you had to be like in a meditative state or something like that, but like you didn't just say it a couple of times, like this was something that maybe that you maybe did something to really put a lot of energy and focus. And just like with anything, energy can move things. I think you have to have a clear mental image of something that doesn't yet exist. You have to imagine what it could be like. It's almost like, you know, when kids are playing pretend, you know, they build imaginary worlds that seem real to them. And then that's kind of what you're doing. And also, um, if you focus on it enough, I read somewhere that um, it actually increases your alpha brain waves. In other words, it changes your brain if you continually imagine what it could be like. It almost like it tricks your subconscious mind between what's real and what isn't real. Now, it's true that it might not have worked out. I mean, it could just as easily have failed as succeeded. Honestly, it could have. But I refuse to think about that. I never thought, oh, this might not work. I just kept pushing ahead. And there was a period of time I remember when I honestly didn't think I could finish. And I went to a therapist um, about it and I told her, I said, I'm too depressed to finish this. I just feel depressed about it. You know, it just seemed overwhelming to me. And um, she said, uh, the more you do it, the more you'll feel like doing it. And so I chopped it up into manageable chunks. I thought, well, I could do this section of this chapter today. And then the next day I could do this section of this. I, 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 I had to put it into digestible bites. Because remember, this particular book I wrote was 600 pages. It was pretty big. Oh God. 
Well, actually 450, but another 150 of footnotes and other things. So um, it was a big project, like a big jigsaw puzzle, but you don't do a puzzle in one minute. You know, you do it one piece at a time. So if sometimes, you know, what you want to do seems a bit overwhelming, um, you know, I'm sure you talk about this in your talks, you know, having a mentor could help, you know, someone who can model. Um, I think having a coach can help. Sometimes having a therapist could help. Um, family and friends offer emotional support. It's not like you're doing this all alone. Um, you're doing this with the support of people around you. But um, ultimately, I think, you know, you have to imagine it. And, um, and then the funny part is, after this book was published, the agent said to me, well, would you like to write another book? I said, oh, no. Mm-mm. I hated this. This is too hard. I said, I want to do interviews. And that's when all my celebrity interviews began. The first one was Carol Burnett in Hollywood. And then there was Elizabeth Taylor and there was uh, Calvin Klein and, and um, Mrs. Reagan at the White House and many others. Um, I found that these short format interviews that would last an hour or two and that I would produce a magazine article, this gave me, I don't know, just, I liked it better. And so for the next 10 years, that's all I did. And then uh, 10 years into that, Oprah Winfrey did a whole show on my second book, which was a collection of these celebrity interviews. And the concept for that book was called Turning Point. And the idea was that everybody in life is, no matter who you are, you're always going to have a crisis. Something's going to go wrong with your health, your finances, your family, your career. Something's going to go very wrong. It happens to everybody. And the point of the book is, what was the crisis, the biggest one that they ever experienced? Like whether it was Dolly Parton or Lionel Richie or any of these people that I spoke to or Diana Ross. And how did you get through it? And what did you learn from it? That was the concept for the book. And so the reason Oprah did a show on the book was because that resonated with her viewers, which is everyone in life, we're all having problems. Um, and how do you get through them? And what did you learn from them? So I found that to be a human psychology kind of um, service oriented kind of book where I was trying to actually help other people. And so um, that book, oddly enough, got on six shows within just a few months time. It was on Oprah. She did a whole show on it. And so did Larry King and um, Sally Jesse Raphael and Geraldo and Joan Rivers and Fox Television. So it seemed to strike a chord with people. And I realized that I had a, a, an ability that I didn't think I had originally, which I didn't, but now I had had it which was the ability to empathize with others and to um, communicate their life experience through words. That was something I didn't know I could do. I didn't realize that I could actually help anybody, but it seemed like, um, I'll never forget on Larry King, there were these cameras and they said, just look in that camera when people in the audience ask you questions. And I'm thinking, what questions? What do they, what do they wanna know? But it turns out they were having real life problems and they were actually asking me questions about how they could overcome this problem and based upon what was in the book. And I thought, and I found that I could do it. So 
you know, we were all growing. We're either, you know, growing or not. And during these years, I was really growing in terms of my ability to understand life and then transmit it through words. So that's pretty much what happened to me. Wow. That's great. I mean, it's it's so powerful. Like, like sometimes we start off because maybe we've been led to believe or what we thought was something that we were going to pursue. And then you realize that it's something else. And, you know, and then you 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 spend that your a number of years developing that and now look you know you know so many years later you're you know you're you know, look all these books you've done for people and 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 so on so would you say that the power of visualization is it something that you do in certain pockets of time or do you feel that if we're truly going to benefit from the power of it it's something that we do on a consistent basis well first of all nothing is wasted you might think you prepared for one thing, but then you never used it for the thing you actually are doing. But I have found that nothing's wasted. Um, whatever I learned in one thing helped me get to the next thing. And if that thing hadn't happened the way it happened, then I never would have. I mean, with just the slightest uh, change of direction, I would be now teaching piano in a college. Just the slightest little change. But because I made that decision to write this book that I really wasn't qualified to write at the time, that changed my whole life. So sometimes just that one decision could change your whole life. So as far as visualization goes, I mean, it's just dreaming. That's really all it is. Just It's like daydreaming about what would I really like to do? You know, and I think a lot of people out there, you have a business audience, so a lot of your audience, you know, has um, achieved a lot financially and in their company and they maybe brought their dream to you know it, it came true but there probably are some of those people out there who may have a second act in them so to speak sometimes you know people in their 40s or 50s or beyond they have had enough of one thing and then they want to transition into something that might be more emotionally meaningful to yeah. them wow Wow, this is great, great, great stuff. What would you recommend, like, if somebody's listening on this po uh, podcast as we are, or the radio show that we're on li live now, or people that will be listening later, what would you say would be the first thing to do about visualization? Is it, is it, you know, is, do you have to be sitting down? Is it something you could be, is there any one way or are there are many ways that we can visualize uh, to, to manifest something, you know, that we feel that could, you know, change the course of our lives? Uh, our careers or anything that's important to us. Sometimes, you know, when you let your mind relax, you're more likely to have things come into it that you really want. So I don't think you would do this in a tense state at work or anything like that. Yeah. But it could be, it could come to you anytime. For me, I don't even know how it came to me. And by the way, when I was in my 20s, I didn't know anything about visualization. I was instinctively doing it. I didn't know about it. I didn't read a book about it. Nobody ever explained it to me. I did this just instinctively. It's like a dream that you have that you really want to do something else. And how could you make your dream come true? And remember, I think it's easier to make your dream come true now than it ever was before because we didn't have back then social media and instant access to the internet where you can find out anything you want and you can communicate with anybody you want. Back then, it was more like the dark ages. You had to really pick up the phone and 
do it yourself and write letters and i mean it's it's the same thing as today letters are now emails yeah. and you know the, the phone is now whatever but um i don't think any of that matters and i don't think money matters you don't need money to visualize things i didn't have any but i visualized it and within six months then i did have money because the world manifested you know what i was trying to make happen but this was instinctive so you don't need any great skill to do this. Really, all you have to do is just take a nap, uh, maybe take a pad of paper out, write down some things that you might want to do, and then look into what people are doing, what you want to do, who have succeeded maybe. I, by the way, I did not do that. I never looked into how other people succeeded. I just, ne I still don't. I tend to just keep in my lane, I'm more like a horse with blinders. It's like somebody will say to me, well, what are the other writers doing? Oh, I don't know. I don't care. Honestly, it's it's all I can do to handle what I'm trying to do. So I try not to, I don't think feeling competitive with others or jealous of others is very useful. I think people need to get in their own emotional groove and just do what makes you excited you know i was super excited by the way that was what kept me going was my excitement i thought wow somebody hired me to do this i'll have to figure this out um i thought it was so exciting i mean wherever i would go i people would say what do you do and i would say i'm writing a book and they always seemed interested they said you're writing a book i said yeah they always seemed to underestimate me like how could you be writing a book i remember once i did my first interview for the new york times and the guy the guy i was interviewing came in and looked at me and he said, you are the New York Times? Like, how could you be representing them? So I, I often found myself underestimated, but then you have to tell yourself, don't let anybody else define you. You're you. And yeah. you, you just have to do what's best for you and um, do your job and hope the rest works out, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, no, you, you've shared some really, really great information here. And I, I'm a big believer in the power of visualization myself. I think it's so critical that when, you know, when you can visualize something, it's just like you said, it's a puzzle in a way, you know, you're not, you're not going to complete it overnight, but you're going to see it. And then you're going to take with what you have and work with that. And then add a piece as you go, as that comes into your control to then lead to the, uh, the 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 finished puzzle or the you know the finished and and result that you're seeking in this case it was uh, books I know you've written quite a few books you've written books for many other celebrities as we get towards the end of the show any particular books that you would like to share with with our listening audience oh well on this subject actually there's a book written by a guy he grew up in an orphanage had no mother no father no siblings and no money. And he became a Wall Street, um, you know, big guy on Wall Street. And he's now in his 80s. And he has a book coming out that I uh, worked on. Uh, it's coming out in April. It's called The Island of the Four Peas. It's a uh, fable for young adults and adults. And it's about the four keys to success. And there's four different places on this island that people can go. And it's the village of plans, partners, principles, and passions. And wow. he talks about... And it's it's an imaginary story about um, the protagonist's journey and and how he discovered the keys to success in life. So this one's coming out in April, and um, the, his first book that I did with him is called On the Road Less Traveled. Oh, yes, 
And this book is about how he he rose from uh, a very difficult childhood to becoming very successful. He just gave, I think it was $35 million to his alma mater at the University of Rochester. I also have a book that just came out a few days ago. It's called The Medical Jungle. And this book is written by a famous um, vascular surgeon, a pioneer in vascular surgery. And there's a tiger on the cover because he believes the medical world is filled with corruption and danger. And he explains yeah. all about it in here. And in May, I had another medical book that came out called Cutthroat, uh, written by the um, orthopedic surgeon for the United States uh, Air Force. And um, this is also kind of an expose. So the books are, you know, kind of all over the place subject wise. Well, no, it's great. I mean, I think and it's exciting that you got two books coming out that you, uh, you know, you've you've written and you know helping other people you know really share their story people that are that have made impact in our in our world made impact in their industries and now looking to create you know a you know some more impact overall and create a legacy uh moving forward so i think it's so valuable anything that you would like to share you know about you know what we what you talked about with the power of visualization any kind of anything else to kind of sum everything and put everything together in a summary for the listeners well, the one thing that will stop people from doing it is fear. There are certain blockades to this, and one of them is fear. And the acronym FEAR could be false expectations appearing real. Uh, because we fear things that we think are going to kill us or crush us, you know, like, oh, it's too late. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I don't have the right background for it, um, you know. Uh, I have to put my attention on something else, whatever it would be. Uh, take it from someone like me. I am fearful. I'm always afraid. Every time I begin a new project, I'm like, oh my God, I'm terrified. I can't do it. It's overwhelming. It's going to take too long. I mean, I still feel it. I think you can use fear as your friend. In yeah. other words, it, could, it can kind of, I'm sure you talk about this in your oh, seminars. Yeah. Fear is very crippling, you know, it can be, and it really hurts when you're afraid of something, it's, it, it hurts. Um, but you can turn it around and tell yourself, well, I can just take one step, maybe I'll just try it. And um, that's pretty much what I've done, and it's part of visualization, which is, well, I'm going to visualize this, let me just try to take step number one. You don't need to do all the steps. That's what often stops people is they feel overwhelmed. Yeah, it like paralyzes them. Yeah, the, your, um, too much analysis leads to paralysis. So what you need to do is action, not analysis. Yes. So I say, you know, just try. And um, I'm convinced that I really see this all the time. Everybody has a dream, trust me. Yeah. And if somebody tells you, oh, it's all over for me, well, then that means it's not really all over. It means they're they're depressed and, and they're discouraged. Um, but it's never over till it's over. Yeah. I remember interviewing a woman for an article about the secrets of the centenarians. And she was 107 when I met her. 
And she told me she had gotten remarried at age 99 to a man 20 years younger than her. Wow. So I, so I said to this 107-year-old, but why would you get remarried at age 99? She said, just optimistic, I guess. Well, this was very funny. Imagine this woman, she's 99 and she got remarried. And when I met her, she was very bubbly and completely functional at 107 with her younger husband. Wow. Um, now, if she could do that uh, at age, you know, 107, imagine what we could do, right? Absolutely. Love the optimism there. I, I think that's great. Well, Glenn, this has been a wealth of information you've shared here, you know, and I know we're going to definitely have you back for another show to follow up on what you discuss here. Uh, you know, briefly, can you share with, with the listeners, how can they get in touch with you and anything that you would like to offer them while here on the show? Well, anybody who wants to write me can uh, email me at gplaskin at aol.com. That's G-P-L-A-S-K-I-N at AOL.com or visit my website. It's called um, ghostwriteyourbook.com. And anybody who wants to consider writing a book, uh, I always tell business people that um, the main reason to write a book is it's your calling card. It's like a billboard and it, it, it adds immeasurably to your brand. And um, it leads to media appearances. It makes you an expert. It's prestigious. So for especially people who want to do speaking engagements, having a book in the back of the room, as you know, because you have a book and you and you sell your book at your events, um, it's very useful. So anybody who would like to discuss a vision for their book is always welcome to call me. Yeah. Well, we, we highly encourage everybody that is really serious about creating impact to share their story, leave a legacy, a memoir, anything, all of the above. Glenn is the man. He has worked with so many great people and Glenn is you know willing to talk to you and get to know you and really bring your story to life. So we highly encourage anybody listening or those that are listening that you know somebody that has you know, been talking about this, feel free to reach out to Glenn uh, at his uh, website, as well as his email, that AOL address. You can also reach out to us as well, and we'll be more than happy to connect you with them. Well, Glenn, thank you so much for being here. We greatly appreciate taking time out of your busy schedule today. Thanks for the great conversation. Thank you so much. And listeners, we want to thank you each and every week joining us here at Business Influencers. We are committed to bringing subject matter experts like Glenn in each and every week, sharing their words of wisdom and insights to help elevate your level of influence to the next level and take your business as well to the top. Till then, everybody, have a great rest of your week, and we will see you next week. You have just listened to Tall Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org.